Hey everyone and welcome to Already Cancelled, I am Peter, that is Connor and we are going to talk about Star Trek, the original series, season 1 episode 10, it's called The Carbonate Maneuver, full spoilers for the episode as always. The crew find a floating cube of light. Yes. Well that's that's, that's basically the episode. That that is basically it, yeah. (laughs) And, And then Kirk plays poker. And then Kirk plays poker after... Spock mistakenly diagnoses the situation as a chess game. Kirk's like, nah, this is poker. Yeah, I actually really like this episode. This is uh, it's a lot of fun, isn't it? This may be my favorite episode of the show so far. Hmm, interesting. Uh, for me, this is everything that early Star Trek has. It's there's something weird out in front of us, in front of the ship. We're mm. on the bridge, and we're trying to figure out what happens before it kills us all. That is that is Star Trek the original series to me in a in a nutshell. Uh, it's it's partly why when people uh, don't like the, the the first movie too much, I don't quite get it. I don't know. I really like that first movie because to me is that what that is? It's not I, quite I've that. Not seen that. It's not quite that. But people think it's really slow and it's mostly just them out in space trying to like analyze oh, something. Sounds like I might enjoy that one. And I quite like it, but people are like, oh, it's too slow. They're going for 2001 when it should be this. And, yeah, whatever. I, I quite like it. But for me, this this is, it, it's suspenseful and it, a lot of it is like a lot of the best Star Trek because they don't have great special effects yet. A lot of it's it's left to the imagination. It's kind of like the whole the whole reason why he starts playing poker with the, the, the ship. I mean, we say play poker, we're just being not bluffing. literal, yeah. We're not. He's, he's bluffing with them, and the whole reason why he's doing that is because we can't see what the other ship's doing. So a lot of it's left to your imagination, but it's, it, it's also that for the characters. So it works in a very neat way of building suspense, building mystery that both us as the viewers and the characters are both experiencing. And because of that, it, it works really well. Even before we get to how they solve the problem, the 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 message of hope that's in here and optimism, and. Uh, all the little bits in there, the character beats that are in there. So yeah, yeah. do you enjoy That's... this episode? Oh, I did. It's a. I don't think I'd quite go as far as it's my favorite yet. I think I. Uh, I think that stays with the naked time for now. Oh, yeah, but this is a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, there's, there's this like cube. It's sort of primary colors, and it's in front of the ship. And no matter what they do, they try and leave. It follows them, stays in front of them. They go really fast. I think they go up to warp speed. Yeah, and they point. try and get around it. It's just, it's just not happening. And it eventually starts emitting radiation to the point where, right, if we let this continue, it's going to kill us all. We have seconds, and they, they shoot it out. The I was going to say the sky. They shoot it out. They, they blow up. They destroy it. Yeah. I like how this starts with Kirk not there. I like that too. Actually, yeah, it's Spock that's on the bridge because Kirk's off getting his medical examination. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just a, a nice change of pace. It's not Kirk discovering the problem. It's just. It happens regardless, and he's just, okay, I better get up there. It's also, something I like about this episode is that him and McCoy have a couple of moments, obviously more so later on, where they kind of have a bit of a a row, they have a bit of an an argument about Mm. something. Uh, But even in this opening scene, uh, because McCoy's given him his examination. Cut through everyone there. Yeah. (laughs) And he he finishes and Kirk gets up and he sees the flashing red light saying, oh, there's a situation on the bridge. He's like, you've seen that light, McCoy, why didn't you... uh, why tell didn't me you tell it. me? Yeah. And he's like, 
oh, because it's finishing your examination. And then it's, it's as he's leaving, he's like, it's, it's the first time he says something like, a, he doesn't quite say that I'm a I'm a doctor, not a, but he says, yeah. he almost says it. It's, it's close enough. You can see it yeah. came from this. Yeah. Uh, and then after Kirk leaves, he goes, oh, if I jumped every time a light came up around, came on around here, I'd end up talking to myself. Yeah. It's a funny joke because he's, he's saying that to himself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but that's, uh, so that's good there. Uh, bit of trivia, actually. I, I just I I was glancing at things about the episode. Uh, th- like three times in this episode, McCoy says that he didn't say that. Uh, people like McC- Kirk says that he said, "Oh, you always say this," and then McCoy says that never said that. It, it, it happens like three times in this episode. Mm. Uh, apparently, his catchphrase was originally meant to be, "I didn't say that," or "I never said that." Oh. <laughs> and it never caught on like they ended up going a different direction but that's why it's in this episode uh, so and then we times. ended up with I'm a doctor damn it <laughs> damn it Jim I'm a doctor not a insert blank whatever it fits yeah. the situation yeah uh, but yeah, that, that comes from here uh, speaking of first as well I'm pretty sure this is the first one where Spock mentions that his mother's human I could it's not been mentioned yet right I think it must have been because we knew he's half Vulcanian already the man mentioned his half Vulcanian, and remember we spoke about how it was one of the early episodes he mentioned he had uh, human ancestors. It didn't say the mother. Yeah, yeah, but the next uh, there was maybe the next one after that. I definitely said he was half Vulcan. Okay, but never said he was half human though. Well, no, that that's fair. I guess that's just or, the, or, the implication. Or, or more specifically, it never necessarily told us which parent was which. Okay, yeah, okay, I, I could see that one. Yeah, whereas that's when he specifically said. Uh, my mother was a very proud Earth woman for marrying my yeah. father, so you, you know quite clearly now we've got we've got that mm. lined up. But yeah, that was a slight tangent. But so Kirk comes up to the bridge and they deal with this thing, and it's after they destroy it, and a bigger ship appears. This big sort of dome sphere with sort of a it kind of it almost looks like a, a visual representation of an atom. Do you know when you? Draw an atom, you have all the... Yeah, it's like an atom crossed with a beehive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's huge. Like, it fills the screen, and they, they say it's like like two yeah. miles in diameter or something like that. Yeah, they say no matter... Even with how far away they are, it's still filled yeah. up the entire screen. It's that big. Yeah, so that, that becomes a thing. And then that's when we start hearing the voice. Like, it, it starts communicating with them, and it's like, uh, you destroyed our, our warning drone thingamajig. I don't remember what you call it. Uh, Prepare, you're going to be destroyed. Uh, we are from the First Federation. We are this, we are that. Uh, Balok's the name he gives. Uh, he's the, the the captain of this ship. And really deep, threatening voice. Yeah. And it becomes a game of, yeah, well, we're going to kill you in ten minutes. You've got ten minutes, you bunch of humans. And your tensions rise. This is when we get the conflicts playing up. And it's when they think they kind of think they're doomed. Kirk's maintaining that there's still a chance, but things keep heating up, and it gives you that ticking time bomb kind of thing for a good chunk of the episode. And then Kirk is like, "No, nah, it's not. It's not chess, Mister Spock. It's poker." Kahura patched me through, and he bluffs and he makes up this thing, carbonate, which is a magic thing they developed two hundred years ago that'll reverse the damage that's sent to them so that the ships that always try and destroy their ships will always receive it as well and therefore all be destroyed so he's bluffing he's bluffing that if they shoot them down if they shoot the Enterprise their ship will go boom and which is obviously very political in itself it's it's the the epitome of nuclear warfare of mutually 
Yeah, yeah. A mutual mutual destruction. destruction. Yeah, and given this was, in the, this was in the 60s as well, so this was right at the height exactly. of all this. Uh, some of the stuff I like about all this stuff when he tries, because the first couple of times he calls Balor, Balor. or Balak, sorry, and he tries to negotiate, he tries to appeal to his peace, and he, he gives his crew this hopeful speech about how if the, if the society is advanced enough for space travel, it's advanced enough to understand a peaceful yeah. negotiation, to understand a, a peaceful outreach. And it, it seems to not be working. It's, it's kind of testing his faith in that belief throughout the entire episode. I do like, however, that Kirk is a diplomat at first, as always. Like, it, it's nice that he doesn't jump to any conclusions. Oh, it's always, yeah, let's let's yeah. try and be peaceful first. We're, we're four minutes on the clock by the time he uh, decides, exactly. decides to go for the, the more devious uh, tactic. But what I like about it is that not only does he make this... Because every other time he's called them... Uh, Balak's interrupted at the end and cut them off. This time he he cuts. He's like, right, if you shoot us down, you'll be destroyed. And he's like, cut transmission. Like he he, he t- makes the choice yeah. to cut off. And the time the time counts down, nothing happens. And Balak says, we're going to need proof of this this device. It's been your destruction's been delayed, but we, we want proof. And Kirk's like, he plays the game. He's like, no, no, we're not going to answer right away. Let's make him sweat for a change. Let's put him through what we've just went through. And then when he does eventually respond, he says, nope, that is denied. And he says, cut off. Not talking to him anymore. He's, and he, he plays, he plays a you know, hardball. And it's, 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 it's really exciting to watch. It's really simple. It's really, it, it's kind of, it's almost like a goofy sci-fi version of like what Tarantino does, where Tarantino will have two characters across a table and they'll just be, like talking around mm. each other with secrets for like half an hour because that's what he does so well. It's kind of like a goofier version of that, but it works really well. There's a reason why that stuff is good, and obviously, eventually, uh, the the ship decides to it, 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 a smaller ship comes out of the bigger ship, a small shuttle, yeah. and it tries to pull uh the enterprise and it's like we're going to we're going to escort you to one of our planets and we're going to destroy your ship and keep, keep you all captive or whatever and the enterprise they basically try and work their engines up so they can pull away from this this beam so they can break free but doing so actually stops the other ship from moving it seems to uh, disable their small ship mm. and they they find that it, it, it they can detect that it's trying to send out a distress call to its mothership, but it can't. It's too weak. It's too weak. So Kirk makes the choice to board the ship, and that's where we get the twist ending, where it's actually a being that looks like a kid. It's actually playing the kid Hubbard. And if you're used to horror movies from, or even just horror movies, but if you're used to low budget movies from the the nineties uh, and eighties, you're probably familiar with Clint Hubbard. Are you familiar with Clint Hubbard? The name's not ringing bells, but that doesn't mean I haven't seen him. You know who his brother is. I do. You've heard of Ron Howard. Oh. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Clint, Clint Howard is the more unfortunate-looking one. He tends to get cast in a lot of creepy guy roles because he's he's got a really sort of uh, unique look to started him. Started young. Yeah, started young. Uh, and the funny thing is, as soon as someone told me that was him in this episode, I could see it. I'm like, oh, it's him, yeah. <laughs> I can 